My name is Mark McGuinness, and this is the 21st Century Creative, the podcast that helps you thrive as a creative professional amid the demands, the distractions, and the opportunities of the 21st century. And welcome to episode five of season two. This week, I'm talking to Jari Balanda, a serial entrepreneur and author of the book, The Entrepreneur Ethos. Jari's here to talk about the mindset it takes to succeed as an entrepreneur, and also about how the startup world can start to do things better in terms of its working ethos and better and more inclusive support for different types of entrepreneur. So, Obviously, if you're starting or running a business, this conversation will be right up your street. And like all my interviews, this one is really about what it's like to dream big and pursue your dreams in the face of adversity. In this case, we recorded the interview during a very challenging time for Jari personally, so this conversation really does come from the heart. I'd encourage you to listen to it whatever creative field you are working in yourself. Before we get to the interview... I have something to say about the most annoying thing in your professional life. Today's theme is, don't let the crappy part put you off. The novelist Peter de Vries once quipped, I love being a writer. What I can't stand is the paperwork. Joking aside, whatever creative field you choose, I guarantee there will be a part you can't stand. If you're a performer in the public eye, it may be the hours and minutes before you go on stage or on camera. Or the spite of the gossip columnists, or the intrusions into your personal life, or the trolls on social media. If you're an artist of any kind, it might be the endless hours of loneliness, procrastination and self-doubt or the carping of critics, or the indifference of the public, or the infighting and backbiting of your peers. If you're a commercial creative, it may be the demands and ingratitude of your boss, your clients, your team, or your business partner, or on a bad day, all of them at once. Whatever field you pick, there will always be a crappy part. A lot of the time, the crappy part has more to do with people and politics than the work itself. Now, if you're an amateur, you'll use the crappy part as an excuse to avoid showing up and challenging yourself. It will be the perfect excuse to avoid facing your fears and doing what it takes to make something great. But if you're a pro you'll spot resistance lurking in the crappy part and using it to distract and derail you. So you will resolve to succeed in spite of the crappy part, either by ignoring it or by learning how to deal with it effectively. This usually happens when you find work you love so much you're prepared to put up with the crappy part. But it also comes with a realisation that whatever path you pick, there will always be a crappy part. 
there is no perfect creative path. So at some point, you're going to have to deal with the crappy part or give up altogether. And you're never going to give up, are you? If you're enjoying the 21st Century Creative, you may like to know there is more to this podcast than meets the ear. To help you succeed in your creative career or business, I've created an in-depth program, the 21st Century Creative Foundation Course. It covers the personal and professional skills you'll need to succeed as a creative professional in the 21st century. In other words, the stuff they probably didn't teach you at art school, on your creative writing masters, or wherever else you learned your craft. Things like how to manage your time, how to communicate your ideas, how to handle difficult conversations, how to close a sale, how to deal with money, how to grow your network, and how to attract an audience for your work. Altogether, there are 26 lessons in the course, full of practical advice, plus a worksheet for each one to help you put the ideas into practice. And I'm giving you the entire course for free. In case you can't quite believe your ears, go to 21stCenturyCreative.fm slash free course and see for yourself. When you get there, you can sign up with just an email address and you'll get your first lesson right away. By the way, the course has already been taken by over 11,000 students, and on the sign-up page, you'll see lots of testimonials from other creatives whose lives and careers have been changed by the course. You can join them right now for free by going to 21stCenturyCreative.fm slash free course. Jari Balanda is a serial entrepreneur living in San Francisco who has started and run several businesses in the tech, medical and PR sectors. He's also the author of several books on leadership and entrepreneurship and blogs on these topics at thedailymba.com. Not content with the rigours of the startup world, Jari is also a keen endurance athlete. When I once asked for his definition of endurance athletics, he told me that it's any athletics event that is so demanding that you can't finish unless you eat while you're doing it. (laughs) I met Jari years ago when I worked with him as a coaching client, and we've kept up our friendship ever since. When he told me he was writing a book called The Entrepreneur Ethos, I knew it was a topic I wanted to feature on the podcast. Because there's so much attention paid to the external aspects of entrepreneurship. The money, the fame, the public controversies and so on. But like any creative endeavour, the internal factors such as mindset, motivation and intention are critical to success and are often overlooked. Jari's done a great job of addressing the human factor of entrepreneurship and it's a book I'll be buying for coaching clients for years to come. In this conversation, he shares his thoughts on what it really takes to succeed as an entrepreneur. Behind the scenes, away from the spotlight, where the hard work is done and the difficult conversations take place. 
He talks about the motivation of top entrepreneurs and makes the perhaps surprising claim that it's not about the money. He also shares some of the unexpected traits of the entrepreneur, <laughs> including awkwardness. And he touches on some of the problems in the startup sector, particularly in its treatment of women and minorities, and what needs to change for a true entrepreneur ethos to emerge. Jari's words about endurance are particularly poignant due to the fact that a few weeks before we were due to speak, his wife Jane died of cancer. I asked Jari if he wanted to postpone the interview, but he was adamant that he wanted to go ahead, partly because he'd written the book in response to the challenges Jane had experienced as a female entrepreneur in the male-dominated startup world. In this conversation, you'll hear Jari speak from the heart about his own journey and what it takes for any of us to overcome the personal and professional challenges life places in our way. Jari, what was it that made you decide to write a book about the inner life of an entrepreneur? So there's actually two really motivations. The first one was reading The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. What, what The War of Art taught me was uh, the inner struggle with the creative process is the most important to overcome. Yeah. It is literally the single most diabolical, <laughs> you know, resistance, mm. using Pressfield's um, words, to your success. And so when I read that, it changed my life. You know, I, I've read all his stuff. I, I really love what he does. And so I decided, I, I had this idea that I wanted to write about what it was like to be an entrepreneur, uh, why an entrepreneur is important in society. And, you know, this was something that I'd been tinkering with, but I really couldn't kind of figure out like the best voice. Like, how do I write you know, the warrior's ethos for entrepreneurs. And I mean, I literally mm -hmm. like replaced warrior with, <laughs> yeah. you know, ethos. And that was the other thing that, that really um, inspired me was his, his book, The Warrior Ethos. And so I set out to take what I learned from the war of art and what he put in the warrior's ethos and how do I write the entrepreneur ethos, which I really truly believe is something that the world needs now. Uh, and then the second motivation uh, was my late wife, Jane, who uh, was an Asian female entrepreneur. Uh, she owned her own company, worked in the sports industry, and she was just my muse and my confidant and the person that always told me to speak my truth. Mm -hmm. And what was happening was I was sort of seeing what she was going through as a female uh, minority entrepreneur, and it just seemed like she was running into these challenges that I, as an entrepreneur, and I'm a you know tall white guy, <laughs> wasn't running into. And so what had happened was I I started the book on Christmas 2015. Uh, I interviewed my my father-in-law, Tim, because he, he's an entrepreneur as well. Uh, and, you know, we were at the family home and like, I'm really starting to get excited about this. And, and it was a really like 
very inspirational because of, you know, he's a minority as well and his challenges. And I started to realize that, you know, as an entrepreneur, I need to put forth not only the inner struggle of how, of what it takes, but also how the community can be more resilient, you know, inclusive and ethical. Cause I hadn't seen anything out there that sort of talked about that. Like, again, like the warrior ethos where, you know, there's a code of conduct, there's a standard you have to meet. Right. Um, and, and that, that vision only got stronger when the next day, the 26th, um, Jane got diagnosed with leukemia and it was, uh, it was, um, it was pretty tough because as you can imagine, um, that's just like a punch to the solar plexus. Like you can't, I can't even begin to explain the, the craziness of that. And, and at that point, you know, I'm like, okay, I, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to write a book. I'm not even going to start. I'm not even going to think about it. And the thing that Jane told me, which was the sweetest thing <laughs> is, um, no, you, you need to write this. This is something that's really important. I, I want you to speak your truth. I want you to put forth what you think the world should be. And, and, and I want to help you. And I'm like, well, hey, you know, you're going through this leukemia and it's aggressive and all this sort of stuff. And she's like, yeah, but I, I can still, I still want to work. I still want to do my business. I still want to plan for the future. You know, I want to keep on living. And that was just like the most inspirational um, thing that, that you, it, it's, it was, it was the exact thing that, Every excuse that I ever had in my life and every challenge as an entrepreneur that anyone could ever experience was literally like obliterated at that point. Because here's someone who is sick, is fighting for her life, and is like, that doesn't matter. Like, you still have to do what you're put on this planet to do. And that I just, you know through the 15 months that she battled leukemia and she passed away this last April. Um, this was this constant drumbeat of it's okay. Let's, you know, let's keep living. Um, there's yeah. challenges, but you got to overcome the challenges and, and you need to write what it's like and you need others to, to read it because at this point in time, um, there had been a lot of um, bad behavior in the entrepreneur community, in the VC community. There was a lot of misogyny. There was a lot of, uh, you know, I would say mild racism, but just nothing that showed a true passion for creating something that never existed before, helping society. And I'm like, you know, I, I need to take Jane's example of fighting the resistance and put my thoughts and her thoughts, a lot, a lot of the inspiration uh, for, for writing the book was from her. And, you know, she read parts of it. She, she unfortunately couldn't, couldn't read the final manuscript, but um, I, I just felt that, 
there's no better time like now. I mean, just why wait? And, and I'm so glad I did it because this was something that we shared together. Um, we could talk about it without having to talk about her sickness. It made life feel normal. Mm-hmm. And she really felt that it would contribute to society. And, and as do I. And, and that's why I put it out there, as scary as it is, <laughs> as scary as yeah. putting, putting your yeah. heart out there. Um, it's a real... I mean, it's a tribute to her. It's a tribute to all entrepreneurs and anyone that's struggled to to battle the resistance and, you know, make stuff happen. So I'm, I'm very proud of it. I know she'd be proud of it. And, and I'm just, I'm honored to be talking to you about it and bringing the word out there that, that everyone's got challenges, right? And, and yeah. you know, the, the status quo, as I put in part one, um, no one wants you to succeed. But that doesn't mean you can't succeed. And that doesn't mean that you're not meant to succeed. And um, that's, I mean, that was Jane's legacy. That was Jane's life. And that's what I'm, I'm trying to get across uh, in the book. So what do you think Jane would wish for the book? Um, <laughs> well, she was in PR and marketing. Um, so, you know, she'd be like, you got to make this a New York Times bestseller. And, you know, she would want, she would want every every entrepreneur to read it. Um, she'd want everybody to adhere to the ethos, which I summarized in the beginning, because she lived her life that way as well. I mean, there was never a time where she wouldn't help out a fellow entrepreneur. She would um, volunteer to help uh, minority women start um, food businesses. She would help at-risk youth uh, understand that they have other options besides the, the the, the choices that they had in their underserved neighborhoods, primarily around entrepreneurship and being um, being your own boss. Um, she was just someone that always wanted to help. And I think she would want the, the people to read this and internalize it and challenge it and try to live their life by the ethos. Because if, if we all did that as entrepreneurs and even creatives, because in my mind, every artist is an entrepreneur, and I, I know a lot of them don't uh, yeah. <laughs> consider that. And yeah, they, they yeah. find it scary um, because you know business is messy and it's all selling out and all that. But you know, the exact same problems that an artist faces is the exact same problems that the entrepreneur faces. The only difference is the entrepreneur knows and is is reconciled in their own brain that they got to go figure out how to make money at this. That's the only thing. I mean, they all, we all want our art out there. So what are these problems that you would say are common to the artist and the entrepreneur? Well, I mean, the first one, which is the first thing I talk about, is um, the artist or the entrepreneur themselves. Uh, It is really challenging to overcome the internal struggle, to sit there and believe that you and you alone can change the world. And that... Hmm. Is the most, um, that's the hardest one. Uh, and, and it really, it's this real, it's the struggle within. I mean, we all face this. I mean, you know, I'm sure everyone knows about all the famous entrepreneurs and they seem all, you know, full themselves and cocky and, you know, alpha male, mostly male, but you talk to them at a cocktail party and you know them personally, 
oh, the struggle is real inside them. They feel like frauds. They don't know what to do sometimes. There's a huge amount of pressure. Um, they're always trying to, you know, figure out is the next thing I'm going to be going to do be as good as the last thing. Uh, so, I mean, it is exactly the same as being a creative, an artist. I mean, what's your why? What is that internal why uh, that drives you when no one, get, no one cares, right? I mean, no one cares. I think once you realize that, then, then you're free uh, to create what you want to create. And, and then an entrepreneur then has to find people who care, like the artist. So what is, I mean, because I know for the book, you spoke to a lot of entrepreneurs. You've obviously got your own experience and experience of sharing with Jane about your own why. What would you say is, is the most common why of an entrepreneur? Out of all the ones I've talked to, it's building an independent life that completes them. Um, a lot of them are really have had corporate jobs uh, didn't had the exact same experience I had. Like, I'm not going to listen to you. You don't know what you're talking about. And they wanted the freedom to create something that never existed before and help change society. Um, does sound a little odd, but most entrepreneurs are not in it for the money. That is a nice result. But, mm -hmm. you know, you look at the statistics um, and this is a really, really stupid move if you want to get rich. Um, right. The probability is really low. I mean, you know, like it's, I mean, you know, do the math. It's, you know, 1% of all companies become billion dollar companies, you know, mm -hmm. nine out of 10 fail in the first three years or something like that, or seven. Out of, I mean, it's a ridiculous number that, I mean, you know, go work at Google as, an, as a software engineer if you want to be a millionaire. Don't be an entrepreneur. That is just not going to work out. But again, as with the artist or the creative, there's something driven inside them or driving them inside them to do this that's independent of material wealth. That's nice to have, but not, not a requirement. So, I mean, what is it beyond the personal? Because, yeah, they want to have an independent life. They want to have a nice, they want to be able to do what they can do for themselves. They don't, like you and me, they're not very good at being told what to do. Right. But what is it beyond that? Because you've touched a, a few times on, on the, the difference it makes to society. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of the people I interviewed, um, they, they're driven by changing the world and I know that sounds cliche, but they truly want to create something that makes an impact. And in their minds, they're, whatever they're doing, whatever product it may be, in some way is going to make a positive impact on society. And it's through that drive and through that um, determination to make a difference um, that you know, when they're in the trough of sorrow or the you know, disillusionment and, you know, trying to figure out, do I shut my company down? I can't make payroll. What are we going to do about, you know, all these people that we owe money to? That internal why of, you know what, this, this needs to happen. Society as a whole needs what I'm trying to build. And 
we will be better off if my product, my idea, my software comes to life. It, it will just enrich the lives of people. And for me, that, that's been a pretty consistent theme in my, um, in my career. And the entrepreneurs I know seems to be the same. I mean, they all know the odds are, are stacked against you. <laughs> There's no, yeah. I mean, you know, they're all pretty smart, right? It ain't, it, it ain't rocket science to figure out if percentages are really not in your favor. Yet, I mean, there's always the chance of a big exit. Um, but I just look at the, the entrepreneurs that have had huge exits and they just keep grinding at it again. They do another company. They do more and more. And, and the stuff they're doing is, you know, more for society as opposed to a product. But, I mean, you just look at all the famous famous ones. I mean, you know, there's the, there's the Zuckerbergs that are doing the Zuckerberg-Chan initiative, which is trying to, you know, cure disease. There's the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. They're trying to, you know, help Africa. You know, these... These people do not have to do this. I mean, they could sit around and drink pina coladas all day, like Richard Branson's the same way. It's like it's more than the money. And that's a very powerful thing because I, I truly believe that both the artist and the entrepreneur, uh, they are motivated by their internal why. And how does the entrepreneur, I mean, what is the entrepreneur ethos and how does it, why does it matter? So part of creating something out of nothing is that it's extremely hard. <laughs> and uh, um, I don't have to tell you that because I'm sure you've stared at the blank page and most of the listeners have stared at a blank page going, oh my God. I was there this very morning. <laughs> yes, yes. So um, entrepreneurs stare at the blank page all the time. Uh, yeah. And it is a very tough and challenging thing to create something from nothing. Uh, and what happens when you're under these kinds of pressures to be successful and to make money, uh, you, some among us, uh, cut corners. And they, for lack of a better word, cheat. And, you know, when I was doing the research for this and I was looking at you know, cultures that impact the world and change the world and are, you know, societies for, you know, just how um, particular different types of, you know, culture slash uh, trade slash, you know, callings. Uh, I noticed that a lot of the ones that, that were stood the test of time had a standard to which that they wanted their members to adhere to. Uh, and that standard was well-known within the community and was internally policed and had a meaning because mm -hmm. that meaning was the history and the longevity of the culture. And the, most, the best example is the warrior culture. Um, you know, warriors have an ethos and you have to win with honor you know, you, you protect your buddy, you know, it's, it's all about, you know, self-sacrifice and for the, you know, you, you're, you're, you are charged with protecting the culture that you're in. 
And so I was looking around to see, you know, is there an entrepreneur ethos that encapsulates in as few words as possible, at least in my mind, the ideal for a culture that, you know, it's an honor to be a part of, uh, is, is a special culture that needs to be fostered and needs to hold standards, needs to develop the next generation of entrepreneurs. I didn't see anything that sort of showed the next generation. And, and that's another powerful thing about a culture or a, a group of people. Um, their longevity is determined by how they teach the, the next generation. And I didn't see anything. Um, I saw stuff about ethics. I saw stuff about code of conduct. Um, but I never didn't see anything about an ethos. Like, how can we internalize as a community what it's like to be an entrepreneur and the standard to which we need to hold ourselves to? What's the difference between ethics and an ethos? Because it sounds like this is a really important point. Uh, ethics, to me, uh, are just a small part of, of, of an ethos. Um, you know, the ethos from the Greek is sort of the external lead by example. Um, Right. So when you, when you look at an exemplar of an entrepreneur and they're living the ethos, you know, you're like, oh, you are doing all these things that I feel um, as our community is holding yourself to a higher standard. Uh, part of that is ethics, you know, ethics related to, you know, not cheating, not stealing, et cetera. That, that to me is more of the, I would say the minimum standard, uh, mm -hmm. the, the, Sort of like, it's kind of like <laughs> the difference between, well, it's not illegal <laughs> or it's legal, right? You know, it's like, well, yeah, but is it right? You know what I mean? That, to me, that's yeah, what, yeah. that's what, you know, code of ethics and conduct is kind of like, that's the minimum. Uh, yeah. An ethos to me is an aspirational maximum, hey, you know, we are always pushing to be the best we can. And yes. so the ethos is always being pushed to be the best exemplar we can, whereas ethics are like, eh, it's sort of the minimum you need to do, you know, kind of like yeah. I'm going to university. Ah, I got to get X on this test. You know, to me, that's, that's the difference. And I, I think the only way you, you grow as a community and build great things and, and you, know, you know, we're on the 21st century creative you know as well as I do that the 21st century is rapidly changing and the skills that were important in the 20th century are not important in the 21st century and the skills mm -hmm. that you need to be successful now are these creative entrepreneurial skills. There, there's no doubt. There's just no doubt. And you should know what they are and try to strive to be the, to hit that exemplar. So it sounds like you were born to be an entrepreneur. You just couldn't stand the old corporate world. You couldn't <laughs> even stand being told what to do in the startup world. You, I'm picking up from you, you had to at least try <laughs> to build something of your own. Yeah. But I think there's a lot of people around these days because of changes in the 21st century that are becoming what's, what's known as involuntary entrepreneurs. Yes. That maybe they would have been happy to stay in a more stable work situation but it's no longer an option right so you know is the entrepreneur ethos something that can be learned or do you just have to have it innately oh no you, you can definitely learn it 
Um, I actually, in, in the middle part of the book, I put down the, the traits, values, and beliefs that I feel are important in the community. And there is a lot of examples uh, in the book, and especially in, in the sections related to the traits, values, and beliefs. And not only do I put in there, hey, these are people that sort of are exemplify these traits, values, and beliefs, but then there's like, hey, these are some things that, that you could do. Like think about think about doing this. And, and all of these are skills that are learnable. Uh, it's, you know, for me, I always say, you know, I'm an entrepreneur by nature. Well, you know, just because I have a natural tendency doesn't mean it's easy. <laughs> I really got to work yeah. hard at it. You know, just like if you're a natural athlete, if you don't practice, you're not going to succeed. And so I, I really believe that someone that's creative, that has an inkling to think about how to change the world, uh, can, can definitely learn this stuff. It just takes a little more talent. I mean, if you're a natural athlete, it's easier. If you're not a natural athlete, like I'm not a natural athlete, it's a lot harder for me, but I still do it. And I still grind it out and I have the discipline to make it happen. And I should point out that Jari is an endurance athlete who takes part in some horrendously <laughs> difficult and demanding athletics contests. So, he, you know, this isn't an idle analogy he's using. Right, right. So, OK, say I'm an entrepreneur either by choice or by circumstance – what would you say are some of the most important principles for me to internalize from the entrepreneur ethos? I really feel that you have to know why you're doing it. So the internal why, um, this is the thing that guides you and drives you when all the great external things go a lot, go away, like mm -hmm. fame, fortune, <laughs> you know, all the, all the uh, trappings of success that can, can, get inside your head. So, mm -hmm. you know, really understanding like, why am I doing this? You know, and, and to truly find your why and, and actually in chapter one of the book, I go through a little exercise on how to find your why that I think is the first thing that everyone needs to do. Um, can can you I, share how we can do that? Is it something you could describe now? Yeah. I mean, basically the, the, the way that I, think about it is uh, I, there's, there's actually a, a technique that we used to use to uh, solve problems in, um, in manufacturing. And mm -hmm. it had to do with something called the five whys. And really what the five whys did uh, was to dig really deep into the, the, the why behind the why behind the why behind the why. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, the reason why that's important is that the first why, that may be a superficial, artificial, externally driven why. So it may yeah. be, you know, hey, I want to make a living so that I can, you know, I want to I wanna buy a house or something. And then I was like, yeah. well, that's good, but why? 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 Until you've dug down to the internal why. And it's hard to do. Uh, it's a lot of introspection and you got to be honest with yourself about yeah. uh, your motivations. But it, 
you, you iterate on that a couple times and you start to really understand your motivations. And I think that's the first part. Uh, and then, then after that, uh, it has a lot to do with discipline. Uh, and, and I write about that as well uh, and, and actually quote um, this podcaster who was a former Navy SEAL named uh, Jocko Willink. And he has this great saying, which is discipline equals freedom. And Ooh, I like yeah, that. I know it's, it's like when I first heard that, I'm like, what? Uh, that doesn't make any sense, but it does make a lot of sense. And the reason why it makes a lot of sense is that motivation is not enough to create what you want to create. It's just not, you just, you know, you can be as motivated as you want, but if you don't have the discipline to get up at 5.30 in the morning mm-hmm. to go work out or write a thousand words a day, you are never, ever, ever going to be successful. I might be motivated, but I'm not disciplined. And so discipline, I think, is the difference between success and failure for a lot of entrepreneurs. Um, there's also grit. Uh, you know, there's also hustle, uh, which is a lot of the things that I, I talk about as well. Uh, but it all, it, it, I mean, it, it starts with, you know, before discipline, it starts with, okay, do I want to do this? You know I mean? Do I have the passion, yes. you know, yes. and, and it's not like passion in the traditional sense where, you know, I'm passionate about baseball and I can, you know, I want to play baseball and there's no way that's going to happen. But there's, there's, you know, I, yeah, uh, this is something I want to stick with. And then after that, it's, it's all about the discipline. This is how I approach writing. Cause I mean, people sometimes say to me, oh, you must be so disciplined to get up and write every morning. And I think, well, I guess on, on one level, maybe yes, but on another level, the discipline, the structure, the habit, whatever you call it, it's, it means I get to do what I want. Yes. And I'm really focused. This is what I want to do. I want to write. Yes. And so if I set something up like that, that creates the, I mean, it feels like freedom to me. So I love that quote. Yes. Yes. I mean, every time I get frustrated or I don't want to wake up early, I just remember discipline equals freedom. And I'm like, you're right. I want to do what I want to do. I have to have the discipline to do what I have to do. You know, and a lot of people don't, uh, either they don't realize that or they're struggling. And so, again, the reason why I wrote, I wrote the book was, you know, I wanted, if, if you want to try being an entrepreneur, you know, that's great. But like, Read about what you're getting into, understand the commitment, understand the challenges and struggles. The, I mean, the world is against you. Make no mistake about it. The world yeah. was against Mark Zuckerberg. The world was against Bill Gates. The world was against, uh, you know, all these people that were trying to change the world. And they just stuck at it. Right. And so optimism is one of your key traits of the entrepreneur could you talk a bit more about that because i mean that's the the real retort to the fact that the odds are against you the world is against you what's really interesting about entrepreneurs is they they kind of have this fine line i mean they're at the cutting edge right i mean literally they're creating what's going to be the next big thing and who knows what the next big thing is going to be you don't know if it's going to be you know blockchain 
it's going to be uh, virtual reality, augmented reality. Is it going to mm -hmm. be cloud computing? Is it going to be autonomous vehicles? Is it going to be drones? I mean, who would have known three years ago that drones would have been <laughs> four years? I mean, who, I mean who would have known, right? Or who yeah. would have known that, you know, Tesla's autopilot, all of a sudden it's like, yeah, well, in 10 years, we won't drive. I mean, you literally will not have to drive a car. Like, that's just mind-blowing. The, the pace of change is so fast, you can't even keep up in some cases. And yeah. it scares people and it scares, even scares me. Um, so the optimism comes from, well, you know, why not me? Why not now? Like, hey, you see the pace of change in the world. You see the disruption. You see um, it's really not that hard to be an entrepreneur and build a business that could potentially be big. All the infrastructure, the internet, the means of production, pretty much democratized. I mean, if you've got the wherewithal and the grit and the hustle to go figure it out, you know, chances are with a you know, little bit of money and some time and investment, if you've got a good idea, yeah, it may, yeah, it'll probably be okay. So you, I mean, you have to just believe that. And that's where optimism comes <laughs> in, right? Because I can't tell you how many times I've been to a venture capitalist where I'm trying to raise money. And you just yeah. hear no after no after yeah. no after no. I mean, I've heard hundreds of no's, hundreds of no's. That doesn't mean my idea is bad. It doesn't mean they even know what they're talking about. Chances are they don't have a clue. They have no clue what the world is. They just have their little model and they're plugging along. And not to say that venture capitalists don't have vision. I mean, if you look at all the investors in the world, they're the ones with the most long-term vision. I mean, their, their returns on their investments take seven to 10 years. So they're trying to bet, like everyone, on what's the next thing. Uh, and, and so they have to be optimistic as well that one of their bets is going to pay off. The entrepreneur has to be optimistic that he picked the right horse. Well, I mean, the other thing that occurs to me is you, you only need so many yeses. You can hear hundreds of no's, but if you get one big yes, it changes the whole game. Yeah, I mean, it's a numbers game. <laughs> but in, in that way, you 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 know, you can if you're optimistic, you can make the numbers work for you. And you know, I love this phrase, "Why not me? Why not now?" Because yeah. I mean, I think I'm going to use that when I sit down and try try and finish this poem tomorrow. Because <laughs> you can use that for any kind of artistic or or. Yeah business endeavor i mean i could look at the you know the list of great poets on my bookshelf and feel well who are you you yeah. know but then that phrase well why not me why not now yeah why not why couldn't something new and interesting happen on my sheet of paper today or yeah. in my business so i shall be stealing that oh yeah and use, using with my coaching clients <laughs> <laughs> feel free <laughs> art art is meant to be shared <laughs> That's the excuse I will use. <laughs> All right. So another trait that jumped out at me from your list of traits of the entrepreneur. So you, you've got obviously the, some of the expected ones, passion, discipline, confidence, competitiveness, but you also have awkwardness. Yeah. What's awkward about being an entrepreneur? Um, <laughs> most entrepreneurs, well, I would say all entrepreneurs, believe very passionately about what they're doing. And most of the time, no one has a clue what, they're do, what they do. No one understands their vision. 
they come across as extremely awkward. Like they're not the kind of people at a dinner party they're going to be talking about, you know, the latest society gossip or the, the, the next biggest, you know, f- novel that they've read. I mean, they may, but mostly they're going to be talking about almost obsessively their idea, their business. Uh, and yeah. it's a very awkward position to be in because, you know, you as the entrepreneur or even as the creative, same thing, you see it like, yeah, you, you see it. And no one else tends to see it. <laughs> That's the, the it's super awkward because you're like, how can you not see this? This is like amazing, you know? <laughs> right, right. Um, and so you have to be really comfortable with those awkward situations where, you know, they may not understand what you do. Yeah. They may not get it. And, you know, the people that listen to this podcast are a special breed of people. Um, they're the creators, you know, they're the people, you know, as, as Steve Jobs said, um, make the dents in the universe. They, they don't, they have a vision of the world that is sometimes hard to explain, but they clearly see it and they're driving towards it and it'll probably change the world in some small way. Uh, and I am sure every single listener has been in those awkward situations where you're like, oh, I really don't want to have to tell someone what I do. They're not going to get it. <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, can I just say that I'm like, you know, oh, I'm a gardener or whatever. I mean, no offense to gardeners, but you know, you know what I mean? It's like so, oh, something really- that will be easy f- for someone to understand. I, I know exactly what you mean when I yeah. say, well, I'm, yeah, I'm a poet and I'm, I'm, a poet, <laughs> I'm also I'm also a business coach and, yeah. um, yeah, kind of an entrepreneur as well. And yeah. people like, yeah. And you can see them thinking, is this conversation worth investing in? Exactly. How long have I got to talk exactly. to this guy who's potentially a lunatic? <laughs> yeah. I mean, cause I mean, you know, I, most people, you know, have a job. It's not, you know, probably not their passion. Most of the time they're miserable. I mean, you just hear everyone complain about their jobs and, oh, my God, and my boss and blah, 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 blah. I mean, like, it's like, and as a creative and entrepreneur, you're like, well, what the hell are you doing there? Like, I mean, yeah. this is nuts. Like, why would you continue to beat your head against the wall? But they, and so these awkward situations and circumstances come up. And, you know, I, I say, you know, I say in that chapter, like, you're literally waiting to become the swan. Like you're this ugly duckling, you feel awkward, and you're like, why doesn't someone just appreciate what I've done, what I'm doing, and why can't I be the swan? Mm-hmm. Uh, and every entrepreneur I know feels that way. They they feel sometimes like a fraud, and that no one understands them, and that the challenges are so great. And what the hell am I doing here? What am I doing this? You know, and. Yeah. And you got to push through the awkwardness. And that's a very, yeah, that is one that's like, really? Oh, yeah. And then once you think about it, you're like, yeah, well, I get it. It makes complete sense when you describe it. I mean, con- continuing the ornithological analogies, it, it made me think of Baudelaire's poem, The Albatross, yeah. where he talks about the poet being like an albatross, which is, if you see it on the land, he's got these enormous great wings that are flopping about and getting in the way, and it's very awkward and ungainly. Yeah. And it's kind of hard to, it's always tripping over itself. Yeah. But when it launches into the air, then it's it's in its element. Yeah. And it's got that freedom. Yeah. But, and he's saying, you know, I think there's a bit of hopeful wish fulfillment on Baudelaire's part that yeah. hopefully... <laughs> 
he, he's going to soar off. And I think that, but that's the same aspiration as the entrepreneur, isn't it? It is, is a, is a brilliant and perfect analogy that we threw poetry into entrepreneurship. I mean, this is like next level stuff. <laughs> so yeah, that's a great, I love that one. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to steal that one from you. But. Feel free, feel free. Let's steal it from Baudelaire. It's long out of copyright anyway. So that's good. So Jerry, you've started off talking about your own journey as an entrepreneur. You've spoken to a lot of other entrepreneurs in the writing of the book. How has the entrepreneur ethos helped you? I mean, has, has writing the book changed the way you looked at yourself and your own challenges? Yeah, yeah, it did. Um, especially when I was doing the research uh, and talking to all the different entrepreneurs. Sometimes you feel alone as an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it can be a really lonely job um, it, because, again, no one understands you. You feel awkward. You talk about what you do. No one gets it. And Everyone you hear know a lot. Uh, so when I when I was talking to others, I felt a real sense of community. Um, one of the things about entrepreneurs that are different from other like traditional business people, and even in some cases, to a certain extent, creatives, um, is that we help each other a lot because um, mm-hmm. this is really hard. I mean, I I could literally tell you exactly what I'm doing in excruciating detail. I could shout it from the top of the mountain. And you still wouldn't be able to figure out what I'm doing. Uh, and I mean, it's, it's like I could give it all away. I mean, look at open yeah. source software. They give it all away. It's still hard. Like you can't, yeah. you know, it's a challenge. So the thing that really made me, I mean, made me feel better. And I knew this in my gut, but it just was better to reinforce it is that everyone's going through the same problems. You know, we're not all crushing it. We're all, um, just as awkward, you know, hustling just as hard and just trying to like make our idea happen. And, and so as I was, you know, researching not only um, and interviewing the people I interviewed, but then all the stories and some of the entrepreneurs that I really admire and some of the really fascinating ways it came about, it just, it just started to solidify in me that, you know, one, this is hard. Two, there's a lot of luck in it. And three, um, you got to do it for the love of it. Uh, if you're not in it for the journey, which I know is, again, a little cliche, but is so true. If you just don't enjoy every day, you know, this isn't going to be a very fun, fun game for you <laughs> at all. <laughs> so I, I felt a real kinship uh, with people. And, and you know, I've, I've been getting a lot of positive feedback and this has helped me, you know, and it's been a great it's just, you know, it, it's one of those things as an artist, which I consider myself an artist in, in writing. Uh, you got to get it out. Like, why keep it in? <laughs> you yeah. know, I mean, this is really important. Uh, and yeah, why not me? Why not now? I don't see any reason why I can't say this. I've been doing this for 20 years. I've done six startups. Some have been successful. Some have failed. Some have been mediocre. I mean, yeah, I don't see any reason why I couldn't do it. And so I did it. Well, I'm glad you did, Jari, because, I mean, I've already bought, started buying copies of this book for my clients because it's just one of those that I think, oh, I'm glad somebody did that and I can give it to them. And I think one of the great things you, people can take from a book like this is just that factor of realising, oh, it's not just me. 
You know, I mean, I get this as a coach every day. I, I work with successful entrepreneurs and artists and people who from the outside come across great and confident, whatever. But as you say, that if you really get into a real conversation with someone, you discover they've got the doubts, they've got the the fears, the frustrations, they're human, and yet mm-hmm. they're doing it in spite of that. Yep. And I think it can be really liberating, a book like this. And I would encourage you, if you're listening to this, get the book. And ha- Because Jari has got a load of stories and examples from people and entrepreneurs in all kinds of different fields who are struggling with basically the same thing. Thank you. Yeah. No, it's, it was, it was a great, very cathartic <laughs> to write. And, uh, you know, it was one of those things that, you know, Jane and I could talk about together and, and have some sense of normalcy. So it was, um, it was a respite, um, during that very difficult time. And I'm just, I'm just so proud of it. I'm so happy that I could get it out. And I'm just, it's just been a, it's been a difficult journey, but very rewarding and, and well worth it. So, so Jari, this is the point where we ask our listener to get out of listening mode and into action. So, yes, yes, my favorite part of the whole show. Right. Okay. So this this is the point of the show where my guest sets a creative challenge for you, the listener. Uh, so, Jari, what's your challenge? Okay, so I thought a little bit about this, um, and I know a lot of the people listening are creatives. They probably have potentially their own business. They want to start their own business, uh, or they're just interested in, okay, what's this all about? And are probably a little freaked out about the whole business planning process and business plans and spreadsheets. And so, um, so I have a blog called The Daily MBA, and about Six years ago, I wrote a post about uh, writing your business narrative. And so my challenge to the listeners is um, if you have a business, if you're thinking about doing a business, that you go to the link that Mark's going to share with you and create this business narrative, which is a one-page document, which I you know, tell you how to, to do, and there's some exercises in how to create it. It basically describes the business you're in, and it could be your creative business, it could be a real business that you're trying to start, it could be your artist statement or whatnot. Uh, but it's a great way to like dip your toe, so to speak, uh, into what it's like to run a business, how you want to formulate your business, uh, and really kind of frame up how you may go about it. And and I've used this technique with a lot of different people. And anytime I run a business or start a business, I, I start with this because it is the most creative, the least scary, uh, with no spreadsheets. <laughs> so uh, you don't have to, you know, make a fifty-page business plan. You do the narrative, and then that anchors you. So right. So just so we're clear. So instead of you know a step-by-step logical left-brain business plan. This is really a narrative or a story about what kind of business this is and what purpose it fulfills and what its future will be like. Is that right? Yes. I mean, and there are some businessy things in there, like in five years, I want to make this much money or you can modify that. But yeah, uh, you know, narrative is a, is a very powerful thing. Stories are what really drive the world. I mean, even in business, um, you know, where that where I met Stephen Pressfield was at a, a seminar called the Story Grid, 
that Tim yep. Grawl and Sean Coyne did. And um, it was all about how to tell a great story. And, and I, I'm like, that is so important for business and for creatives yes. to tell their own story, right? Yeah. So this is, for me, the place I always start because it is so important to tell your story. Yes. Okay. Thank you, Jari. That's a great challenge. So I will include the link to Jari's article where he, he, he lays it out really clearly how to write the business narrative. And of course, if even if you don't consider yourself a business person or an entrepreneur, if you're a an artist of any kind, then make it your artist narrative. Make it the narrative of your creative career. Because what Jerry's outlining, the story structure, will, is just as relevant if you're a self-starting, independent-minded artist as if you are, you know, starting the next big thing in Silicon Valley. Yeah, totally. Jerry, thank you so much. You've been incredibly generous. Now, for those who are curious to learn more, where should they go? I'm, I'm assuming the book is available in the, all the usual places, The Entrepreneur Ethos. Uh, where else can people find you on the web? So I have a blog uh, called thedailymba.com. I'm on Twitter, at The Daily MBA. And then, of course, the book's on Amazon. Uh, just look, the, uh, look up The Entrepreneur Ethos, both ebook and paperback. Uh, reach out, have any questions. You know, I, I love talking to people that are starting businesses and creative people because that gives me a lot of, uh, a lot of inspiration. So good luck with everything. Thank you, Jerry. Thanks, Mark. You have been listening to The 21st Century Creative, hosted by me, Mark McGuinness. You can find the notes for today's show with more information about my guest and links to the sites we mentioned, as well as all the archived episodes at 21stCenturyCreative.fm. If you enjoyed the show, then I hope you'll subscribe in iTunes, and I'm always grateful for your reviews, and also for sharing the show with your friends and followers. If you'd like to have the 21st Century Creative Foundation course delivered to you for free, giving you 26 lessons of advice and worksheets on carving out an original creative career, you can sign up at 21stCenturyCreative.fm slash free course. And if you are an experienced creative interested in getting my help as a private coaching client, you can learn about how I help my clients at 21stCenturyCreative.fm slash coaching. Thank you for listening. I hope you'll join me again soon.